glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to read the prayer out of this special prayer book today. Father of us all, we thank thee for life and that we live now, that our eyes have been opened to the beauties of today, Amen. that our hands have been filled with the task of the present, nor do we despise the past into whose labors we have entered. Its errors warn us. <laughs> Its successes informs us, its sacrifices inspire us, and to its brave souls we are forever debtors. We are thankful for the moral leadership of the world, for the women and men who are the road breakers of liberty, for those prophets of the humanitarians who hear first the call of life, to whom bodies are more than gold and the soul of a little child of greater value than the buildings of a city. We are thankful for the friends whose faith in us makes us better than we are. For the children who call us by the holiest name men may ever know. For the task we are unworthy of, but rejoices in. And for Jesus of Nazareth, thy son and our only savior, in whose name are all our prayers and supplications. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Praise amen. the Lord. This one part, and it says that, um, I'm gonna re repeat this, I have a few little comments about it. It says, nor do we despise the past, for these reasons, not to go back and reminisce how you were in your old nature, okay? But this is the reason we don't despise it and to whose labors we have entered where you've done a good deed, a Christian deed in the lives of others. It's eras warns us, so you let you look back to look at the mistakes that were made so you can grow from that and not repeat that, okay? It's successes informs us. So it shows you how you can even be better by the successes that you've had. And it's sacrifices inspire us to be encouraged to keep on going and to his brave souls, we are forever debtors. To those in the past, I wrote something like that in my message too, that we can look up to for the greatness that they put on earth. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm gonna read today's devotional because it too kind of fits in. And it says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Your labor is not in vain. And the supporting scripture is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, which comes out of the NIV with this. Be tenacious. It says, one of the most prevalent themes in the Bible is perseverance. The Apostle Paul writes, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Again, he writes, 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And we know that's found in Galatians 6, 9. And James adds, Blessed is the one who persevere under trial, because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The dividing line between winning and losing isn't talent. Amen. It's tenacity. Amen. Being tenacious means this. One, giving it everything you have, not more than you have. Some people inaccurately believe that being tenacious demands more than they have to offer. As a result, they get discouraged and stop pushing themselves. But being tenacious means giving 100%, not more, and certainly not less. Two, working with determination instead of waiting on destiny. Persistent people don't rely on luck, fate, or destiny for their success. They recognize that trying times aren't the times to quit trying. Third, quitting when the job is finished, not when you're tired. To succeed, you often have to push beyond what you think you can do. Remember, victory isn't determined until the last step in the race has been run. So draw on God's grace, refuse to give up, and keep going until you cross the finish line and win the prize. Amen. Isn't that good? And we really need to hear this across the board. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We are starting a new series. And so we're, we're in the book of Thessalonian. And I, boy, did I have a struggle about, okay, what's the next series, Lord? Did I just struggle and struggle? And I tried to do something else, and, <laughs> and I went in back here, and I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> so um, this is a series out of, the, out of the book of Thessalonians, but uh, the title for today's message is uh, The Walk of Faith. And so we're going to just kind of focus in on the first five verses of this chapter. And, uh, and because I want to really read the introduction and talk about how this even came into place, okay? But uh, before I go there, and I think you're going to recognize some stuff as I'm reading in this, I want to give honor in advance for Memorial Day because this is the last Wednesday before Memorial Day. We all know that it's on the, on the um, 30th, but because the 30th is on a Sunday, the, you know, they made all the holidays that you celebrate on a Monday, whether it's that date or not. So in honor of Memorial Day, we thank God for our service men and women who serve in the military to keep us safe. We kind of take that for granted and we don't even think about it. I think we think that that's an, that is another job opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, let's go into service and get a career. Oh my God, okay. So, but also, for Christian laborers mm, who are serving Christ and for those who, like Paul and the apostles and missionaries of his time, who suffered to establish the church, that's another thing that we take for granted, the establishment of the church. And we need to think, and I think as we have been studying the epistles that Paul has written, it shows you the labor, the faith, the suffering that they went through in order to establish the church. And we take it for granted today because we don't see the church in the light of how we need to see it. We see it as a building location of gathering. Okay, so missionaries, apostles and missionaries, along with Paul, who suffered to establish the church and take care of the needy that are standing, the people who are standing and serving today in ways we aren't even aware of. Because you see, the church is established, so we don't need apostles. <laughs> okay, that's a whole nother message. <laughs> But we do have missionaries and evangelists who are serving God in a way that we don't have a clue about, who are going to other countries, okay? Going to other countries that uh, the, the heads of the country don't want them there. So they're put in prison and uh, living in extreme lack where they're in deprived countries and, and in order to reach the people, they have to live among the people. So they live just like the people of, that inhabit that country. Amen? They, uh, they're surf, uh, suffering persecution. Persecution from the government of the country and then from some of the people who are bound until they come into the knowledge of truth Amen. with their, with their uh, idol worshiping. Uh, witchcraft, superstition, and everything else, and fear. Yes. We don't think about that. This is why Paul tells us to pray for the missionaries yeah. and the evangelists, yeah. okay? And, and, and they're living uh, like this, and you probably think, well, how do you know? Because, see, I, I don't watch Fox, CNN, and all of those. Okay, I let Mac tell me what's going on. <laughs> But I watch programs that will show you how people of today are in other places, being missionaries and evangelists for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I know that they are having no concern for their lives because their first priority is that I get the message of the cross out Amen. to the people. Amen. So. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to read the um, introductory to this book of uh, Thessalonians, okay? Because it has such good information, and I think we're, we can better understand the verses when we understand why they were created, to whom he was talking to, and how to apply it to today. Amen? Amen. So it says that First and Second Thessalonians comprise some of the earliest New Testament writings. The first epistle was penned at Corinth by the Apostle Paul in response to Timothy's report on the progress of the church they had recently established. 
Paul and Timothy had established, okay? And, and uh, it says that more information of that is found in chapter three, verses one through six. Paul, along with Silas and Timothy, founded the church at Thessalonica on his second missionary journey, which you read about in Acts 17. The apostle had been drawn to this important Roman port after seeing a vision in which a Macedonian man was calling for help. You know how God gives you visions about things and you really don't know exactly what it means and that's why you need to ask him because he will tell you because it, it, he's, he's giving you a, a, a purpose and a commission. The city Thessalonica uh, was also known in its day, Salonka. And, it, and it, this name came from, uh, it was named in 315 after Christ, I mean, I'm sorry, before Christ, BC, by Cassander after his wife, who was the half-sister to Alexander the Great, okay? See, that's why I like to read this, because you get history. And, okay, I say it all the time, I love history. <laughs> Under the Romans, the city famous for its hot springs, Bergon, to a population of over 2,000, it was situated strategically on the Via Ignatia, the main Roman highway from east to west. Its sheltered harbor made an ideal naval station. Memorial Day. <laughs> The city was a natural center for traffic moving in all directions. Interesting. Okay, y'all come with me on this trip. Because <laughs> I'm thinking spiritually, okay? <laughs> so, its sheltered harbor made an ideal naval station. The city was a natural center for traffic moving in all directions. In Paul's day, it was the capital of Macedonia. Although the pro provincial governor was headquartered there, he exercised no authority over Thessalonica. Okay? As a free city, it was ruled by po Poly Polyax, I think I'm pronouncing this right, which is really, and enjoy political autonomy, which is really uh, a group of people who uh, probably were police officers who made a decision to ban this group together to, to have control and, and to, I guess, dictate over the area. But it was not an original uh, organization set up for that intent. It's just how a group of people decide they're gonna do something. Okay. It says, as a military and commercial center, Thessalonica, became famous for its wealth as well as its vice, attracting a strange mixture of Roman high society and pagan sensuality. And you'll find more of that in Acts 17 and, and, and chapter four of this book. It also attracted merchants from other parts of the empire, including numerous Jews. The nucleus of the church was formed from this group of Jews, Although 1 Thessalonica indicates that the apostle to the Gentiles had his, had his greatest success among the non-Jewish peoples of the city. Now, in Europe, Paul and his companions had gone first to Philippi, 
and you find that in Acts 16, where they established a church and were miraculously delivered from the jail. Y'all remember that, okay? Leaving Philippi, they traveled through Amophilus, Amophilus, and Apollonia to Thessalonica, giving first to the Jewish synagogue. Paul there won his first converts and met his most serious opposition. His ministry is the city latest less than a month. Mm, lasted, I'm sorry, less, lasted less than a month. Wow. During that time, he worked as a tent maker, not wishing to burden the fledging assembly, <coughs> excuse me, with his knees, and spent the balance of his time at the home of Jason, organizing the new believers into a church. Now, as I'm reading this, you really need to think about church today, and especially among those who are very sincere about serving God, okay? Because when you are really sincere about serving God and speaking the truth and not what's popular and not what people want to hear, you're going to be judged, you're going to be criticized, and everything else, okay? But almost immediately, the Jews brought Paul before the Polyach and had him expelled from the city. He went, to, he went on to Berea, meeting great initial success, but was again oppressed or opposed by the Thessalonian Jews who dogged his trail and incited the people to riot against him. Paul barely escaped with his life, traveling to Athens with where his message was received with little enthusiasm. From Athens, Paul dispatched Timothy to check on the situation in the Thessalonian church. Okay, now this is the occasion and the purpose for this book. After all this persecution and rejection of the gospel, Paul came to Corinth. Now, hearing all of this, we should be really praising and thanking God that we have the word of God. We have the epistles. Amen. This is after all of this persecution and rejection of the gospel, Paul came to Corinth and that's found in Acts 18 in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, when we read about Paul, it sounds like, he was just strong and so assured, you know. But let me tell you something. When the anointing comes on you to do what God has called you to do, it looks like you're strong. It looks like, you know, you're bold. It looks like what it really isn't. You come with fear and trembling because why? You come humbly knowing you know nothing but Jesus and him crucified and but what you want to say you want to make sure you're being led by the spirit of the Lord speaking only the truth and nothing else and you know also that sometimes there's some people who are going to resent it cast it out cast you out and everything else okay 
It says, when Silas and Timothy returned bearing good news about the Macedonian churches, Paul was greatly encouraged and pressed forward with his work. You just need to know there are at least one or two people whose lives are being touched and changed to keep you on the right path with what God has told you to do. Amen? It says, but the Thessalonians were also reportedly having difficulties. Gentiles and especially Jews were impugning Paul's sincerity, defaming him as a wandering charlatan who had deceived them. Now I know what that feels like, where you have spent so much time personally counseling people, encouraging them, and doing all that you can, and they hear one little thing from somebody and get upset and actually leave the church. Now, you know what upsets me the most? It's because I know that all of the groundwork and the foundation that was planted in you has gone straight to hell. Because you have just went back, not forward. Because when you're growing in Christ, you, are, you become thick skin. Okay? Where you take, you take the conviction, you take the correction, along with all of the good stuff you've been receiving. You don't grow on just being hearing good stuff. You grow because you hearken to the conviction that's put before you to bring change. If you are not changing and you are staying the same as you always have been, BC, there's something wrong. There's something either something wrong with you or something wrong with the message. Amen. It says, the church was also somewhat confused about the second coming of Christ. That's another reason why there's splits of uh, different denominations and splits in the denomination because of doctrinal disbelief or unbelief, doctrinal differences. Okay. Some members worried about believers who died before his return. Like, that's your job. <laughs> Others considered it unnecessary to continue working since Christ will return at any time. Oh, how ludicrous. You know, that's, that, that's a moment of insanity. <laughs> okay. Still others were sinking back into the immorality of the culture. You know, that, well, that's easy to go back. It's easy to go back. The challenge is to move forward. It's easy to complain about what's before you because you don't think you can handle it and you can't make it and then retreat and go back. But you've got to remember, you're not doing it. He's doing it through you and in you. Amen. There were also a crisis in the leadership. Many of the rank and file apparently were being offended by certain tactless elders. They were probably getting correction. (laughs) These and other minor difficulties occasioned Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. 
Now the time and writing of this, since this epistle was certainly written during Paul's long stay at Corinth, the, the date can easily be fixed. An inscription discovered at Delphi dated from the summer of after Christ 52 refers to the proconsulate, I guess, of Galileo, a position held for only two years. Paul arrived at Corinth before Galileo assumed this position, perhaps a year earlier. Thus, the time of the writing of 1 Thessalonians must have been the summer or fall of after Christ 51. Amen. Amen. Now, based on that little information, what we do in the name of love for the church brings more of a benefit to ourselves than to the recipients of our good deeds. I'm going to say that again because I know that just went over some heads. What we do in the name of love for the church brings more of a benefit to ourselves than to the recipients of our good deeds. Amen. See, we get so much pleasure out of exclaiming all the good things we've done and how we've operated in love with different kinds of uh, events, charities, organizations, or just duties. Amen. I wonder how would the real missionaries feel about that? Who are not looking for anything but to see the change in the person. Amen. Amen. But we, you know, <laughs> probably ain't gonna listen to the podcast anyway. I'm not gonna call any names though. <laughs> I sent out a, uh, a forward a text that I got from Pastor uh, Tim Wright about love. And uh, I sent, always sent them out to my family and stuff, but I sent it out to another individual and they responded. that They were so thrilled to get that because they were doing work uh, for um, some little organization that where they got to exercise love. And I thought, you didn't get the message. Because it's not that extracurricular activity where you're expressing love. You can't handle it in the family. If you haven't learned, see, remember when, when Jesus sent the, the apostles for Pentecost up to the upper room? And, and he filled them with the Holy Spirit and he told them, but I want you to go do the work at home. Stay in Jerusalem. Do the work at home before you go abroad. Okay? There's chaos and hell all in the family and among your friends, but you were able to go out and express this great love mm. to some people that you don't even know. Mm. And you get it. Okay, I'm gonna leave that alone, Lois. We need to repent of our selfish thoughts and deeds and that the least we can do is fervently intercede on behalf of the real faithful servants of Jesus Christ who are doing what Jesus told us to do. And I'm going to tell you what that is. Let's turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's what these people are doing. And their, their reward to them is to see people actually change, become converted into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's start reading the verse. That's, you see why we're not getting any further than five verses. <laughs> I love, Paul gives a salutation and a greeting always to the church. But guess what? There, there, there's a, 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 a strategy in that because he, he speaks to them in a way that he's calling those things that be not as though they were. So he's, he's speaking the vision into them, declaring who they are, but they're really not there yet. But the more you hear it, the more you strive to be it. Amen? Amen. So it says, Paul and Savanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. Now, they're not writing this letter with him. He's sending greetings from them to the church. Amen? Which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let me see. It says the names of Silas. I'm reading out of my um, commentary. The names Silas and Timothy were given here in their Latin forms. Okay? So they're, they, um, they are mentioned as co-laborers with, with Paul. And um, it says that Silas had taken the place of Barnabas on Paul's second missionary journey, and Timothy had joined them at Lystra, his home, his hometown, and had also just recently visited the Thessalonians at Paul's request. And and when you it says when you hear the word church, it really means assembly. How do you say that? Ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's assembly. An assembly means that it's a group of people of the same kind. This assembly. <laughs> Although, and then when, when I say the same kind, I'm not talking about culture, ethic. I'm not talking about any of that. We all believe in the same Lord. With the same faith. The same Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter about the complexion. None of that. We are all one in Christ. United together. The reason we can't progress in this world is because everything is divided by race uh, 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 by economy, uh, uh, by location, by so many different different things, and 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 the people who are crying the loudest about discrimination discriminate among their own for so many other different reasons. Amen. 
And so discrimination is, 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 is just blatant and it is a sin. And, and, and don't feel so proud and lofty and haughty about you because you think that your race of people are being discriminated against And they owe you something. Amen. They owe, everybody owe everybody respect Amen. and honor. Amen. Past that, you work for everything else. You earn it. Amen. Amen. See, I know, see, people don't want to hear the truth. Okay. So, um, Verse 2 says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, the, um, like I said, the main thing that Paul wanted to do was to mold into their hearts and their minds who they are in Christ by always speaking that edification through a form of salutation to them on a regular basis. Be why? Faith cometh by hearing, Amen. hearing. So that's another reason why we struggle because we're not hearing what we're supposed to hear. Amen. You don't get enough of it on these set aside days that you come into this building. Amen. 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 Okay, so verse three says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. This is what they're praying remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Now, what he's, what he's saying, remember your conversion that you turn to God from your idols so that you don't go back to your idols, okay? And that labor of love is serving the living, true God, the only true and living God. Remember that your labor of love means you are serving the living, true God. Now, you need to hear this because motive is so important. Now, in serving God is by drawing unbelievers unto him and serving each other believers out of the spirit of love. Okay. And he says, and labor of love and patience. The patience means that you're persevering. It means you're never giving up. You're persevering. Just like we read in that devotional. Okay. And of hope means that you're steadfastly waiting for God's Son, Jesus, from heaven. You're steadfastly waiting. So what do you mean, waiting for Jesus? Jesus is going to return. Remember the second return? And he's coming back for a bride. Will he be able to take you back with him? Are you a bride? And I'm not talking about one who's waiting for a man with a white dress. Okay, the only way that you could be a bride and know it is that you have allowed God to do the work in you to change you, Amen. to fit your new name. Yes. You've been given a new name 
but your actions looks like the old name. Because you haven't given the Lord the opportunity to do what he needs to do. Amen? Amen. He wanted them to be, have a strong conviction and assurance. Paul wanted the church of Thessalonians to have a strong conviction and assurance of their position in God. And, and, and that would give them the authority and power through the Holy Ghost to be a living example for others. So you can't talk the talk if you ain't walking the walk. Because people watch your walk. You can talk to your complexion change. But they're watching your walk. Amen. And that's how you are a living example uh, to other people. So my question is this. Why do we relate our Christian faith as church attendees only. You think because you showed up, you're a Christian. <laughs> well, if you were parked in the garage, would they call you a car? <laughs> we should be judging this rather we should be judging who we are and how we should be displaying our newness in Christ. See, if you know who you are in Christ, then you can start displaying the newness who you have become through Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, those who actually live like that are considered radicals or Jesus freaks. Have you ever been called that? Praise the Lord. That's what I learned to do. <laughs> but really, the radicals and the Jesus freaks are the norm of true Christianity. You're... You, you're normal. The people who are calling you those names are abnormal. How, okay? But that is the reason for division in the various assemblies. Okay? The, and the difference of practices. But it's funny, because the Bible do not give different practices for certain assemblies. If you, find, if you find where it is telling you, if you are a, this is how you're supposed to act, let me know. That is purely man. And guess what? We are attracted to what fits our fallen nature. So the different kinds of assemblies that attract you that is not in line with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, it fits your character, your personality, and you're being led by your soul and not by your heart. Do y'all still like me? Yeah. <laughs> now, 
what is the remedy to practicing and following Jesus Christ? What do we need to do in order to follow Jesus Christ and practicing, okay? First of all, you need to start having prayers that addresses your faith and not your needs, greeds, and monetary things. You need to start praying prayers that addresses your faith. So you ask God to examine your heart. Show me how to live for you. Show me what I'm not doing and I'm not living by faith, but I am living by my desires, okay? You need to have prayer that is constant of confession. You're confessing, you're confessing your faults and your sins. And let me tell you, if you do the first thing I said, the Lord will reveal it to you in case you think you don't have any, because you know, some of us think we don't sin. You know, we, we, we're just so righteous that everything that comes out of our mouth is pure and holy. Okay? So practice having constant confession and ask God to help to change your thoughts to become in line with his thoughts. For your ways to come in line with his ways and that his will be done in your life and not your will. And lead me, Lord, not into temptation. Okay? Let's go over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 and verse, verse uh, 6 through 9. It says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. <laughs> Call you upon him while he is near. That's a, that's, that is an interesting statement. In other words, don't keep operating the way you've been operating to the point that he leave you over to a reprobate mind. While he is still pulling drawing you and knocking at the door, seek him. Let him in, okay? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For, this is the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what do that mean? That we got to go up. We got to go up. So that's why you need to ask him to line your ways up to his ways, your thoughts to his thoughts, to bring them up higher. They're really too low. Some of them are in the gutter, Amen. and they need to come out. Now, I'm serious with Christians. They're in the gutter, and you think it's cute and it's okay. No, it is not, because you are a new creation in Christ. And you don't want to put anything in you that's going to defile you or leave any defiled thing in you that's going to come up out of your mouth and your thoughts. 
Amen. The other thing you need to do is to study his word for the purpose of having your mind renewed for the transformation of your thoughts. Amen. Not just for, if you're a, a teacher or pastor, not just for the purpose of teaching, but to change you. Amen. 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 Then denounce your own nature and the thoughts and ways you inherited by birth or an association. Because, see, there's a lot of thought pattern that we have based on our home culture. I'm not talking about uh, race. but Because every home is different, even among one particular race. Okay? So think about some of the culture that you picked up from home or just from associates that needs to be denounced now that you're a new creation in Christ. It worked then, but it's not going to work as a believer in Christ. See, we think because it is our heritage that it's okay to stay that way. No. Did God create those things in you? Did God put those thoughts in your, in your mind? Well, if they're not going to benefit you and they're not morally correct according to God's word and it's going to help you edify you and elevate you into the things of Christ, they need to go. Amen. I don't care who your mama and your daddy is. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And we as, 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 as parents need to go back now that we have gotten some wisdom and an understanding and go back and apologize and co to correct the wrong that we have spoken to our children. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, um, oh, um, okay, so I said to denounce your old nature and thoughts and ways you inherited by birth or in association. Declare you are a new creature. So you had to speak some stuff out loud. Declare that you are a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Now, sometimes you may need to go back to relatives and friends to declare that to them. Especially when you haven't seen them in a while because they don't know who you are. They only think they know you. Amen. Okay. So you have to make that declaration to them. And, 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 and. When we don't really, because that, that's testifying. We wanted to give a testimony. That's testifying. And the more you do it, the, the more you become a believer who you have become, and they will see this and we respect that. Amen. Okay? And, and I know some people may have a problem with going back telling the relatives and friends that same kind of thing because you, you, you know what the backlash is going to be. Okay, and, and I know change doesn't feel good, <laughs> but when you speak it out of your mouth, you, you confirm it at, but it's okay because that pain is short-lived. And if you don't begin to speak it out of your mouth, it's not gonna happen because God is a gentleman he offers everything righteous to us, but he will never force it upon us. Amen. He does not force us to be and act righteous. Amen? Amen? This is why the Bible states, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because change is hard and no one wants to feel the pain or suffering rejection because of your new creation. But the results make it all worth it. Now, let's, let's go over to 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to close with this. 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to start out by reading the verse that supports this, verse 17, but I think I'm going to go back. Verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, <clears throat> worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So it means this little light suffering that you're going to face on this side of heaven don't even compare Amen. to what you're going to experience in heaven. Okay? So now let's go back. I'm going to read verses 8 because God never said you're not going to have some suffering. See, this is, this, I think that name it, claim it era made people think that you're not supposed to have any suffering, you're not supposed to be sick, and you're not supposed to go with that, be, have any lack. If, if you do, then you're doing something wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God never said we would not have afflictions. He, he said he will bring you out of them. God, and, and besides, how are you going to have, have more going on for you than, than Jesus had when he was a man walking on earth? Okay, so let's, let's begin with verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. See, the problem is we don't want to die because it's painful. And you're, you're dying to your, 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 yourself, okay? But you don't want to have anything that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. You, you know, with that selfish nature we inherited from the garden says that I want to feel good all the time. I don't, want, I don't want nothing to challenge me, okay? But that's where we grow. That's where we grow. During those painful, challenging times is where we grow. And you don't have to worry because you just heard it says, you're not going to be destroyed. Amen. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So it means if you're not willing to die in, in Jesus, you're not going to live in Jesus. Okay, verse 11, for we which live are always delivered into death for Jesus' sake, and that, that, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So we, he's telling us you're going to have to die. Because in this, you're being delivered into the life of Jesus. If you're not dying, you're not de being delivered into the life of Jesus. And nobody can see that Jesus is in you. Because the qualities and things of Jesus is not worked by the flesh. Amen. It cannot be accomplished by flesh. That's why we have to kill it. 
so that the new nature can rise up and take over. But every time we're operating, depending, leaning on flesh, you get bad results. Amen. Or you get nothing accomplished. As when we yield it over to the spirit of the Lord and let him direct us and guide us. We always got an agenda and a plan that go against what God wants us to have. We're always sitting up planning of what we can do and how we can do it and not in tune to what the spirit of the Lord is saying at the time. And then you wonder why you can't change, why you're still doing the same old thing over and over and over again, but expecting different results. You're getting in the results that you're planting. He says, for which we live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. So Paul is, is saying all that we're doing to help crucify your flesh is working life in us as well. We have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So you, you, we're, it's a blessing. We're never going to be utterly destroyed as long as we keep our focus where it needs to be. Amen. See, you're the reason why you have failure, you have Highlight and failure, highlight and failure, highlight and failure, and you never escalate because you're going through the same motions over and over and over and over again. So you have your high days, and then you have your many low days, and then you have another high day, and you have your many low days, and you aren't growing. You're not growing. You're not growing in Christ Jesus. You are just surviving. You, if you can't give a testimony how you have overcome. Okay. Where did I leave off that, Lois? Knowing that he which raised up Je the Lord Jesus has shall, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound, redound, I'm sorry, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outer man perish, Yet the inner man is renewed day by day. Amen. If the outer man is not perishing, the inner man is not being renewed. Amen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporal. They're going to decay, rot, go away. But what you have allowed God to work in you is for an eternal happiness. It's for eternity. So the greater work is in the inside, not the outside. The superficial, the lying part, the part that don't mean squat. It's what we focus on when we need to be working on the inner and you can't do anything with it if you're not hearing the word so the word can work in you and asking God to work the word in you. The word does the work in the inner man. And if you don't have the word, the spirit can't work. The Holy Spirit does what what the father tells him to do. So the Holy Spirit is working the word in you. That's why it's important to have the Holy Spirit. Don't think somebody can just say magically say something and it's done. The Holy Spirit is doing the work according to what the Father is saying. If you ain't saying the word and you're not hearing the word and taking it in, there's nothing going on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and I would like you to repeat this short prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Asking you to help me see through your loving eyes. Asking me to help you see through your loving eyes. Help me take time to reflect on my own stories. Help me to take time to reflect on my own stories. And repent of any ways. And repent of any ways. That I have acted with prejudice towards others. That I have acted with prejudice towards others. Lord, help me to take the beam out of my own eyes. Lord, help me to take the beam out of my own eyes. Before I try to take the speck out of someone else's. Before I try to take the speck out of someone else's. Race is a terrible sin. Race is a terrible sin. That has divided our nation for far too long. That has divided our nation far too long. I repent and ask you to help me to see the values we share. I repent and ask you to help me receive the values we share. More than the things that cause us to live in hostility. More than the things that causes us to live in hostility. Toward one another. Towards one another. Show me how to truly forgive. Show me how to truly forgive. And receive forgiveness. And receive forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. the Lord. I'm going to take that as a benediction prayer. (laughs) Amen. So my continued prayer on that is that you have traveling mercies, and when you go out, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.